0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
1: ...to so often as the Lord's Prayer. The book of Luke 11, we have been reading from there. And um, this was a request by the disciples... After all they had been through and experienced, they had one request, and that request was, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples to pray, teach us to pray. In verse 2, we had been considering the following words, and that was the reply of Jesus when he said, when you pray, say, our Father, which art in heaven, And uh, as I've been talking about, this is not just something that we recite. This is just not something we commit to memory. I think the Lord's Prayer would be a good thing to commit to memory simply because it is a wonderful pattern. And so this is not just something we come into the presence of the Lord or our prayer room or the church or wherever you may have uh, designated as your favorite place of prayer. But he said unto them, when you pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. So, so far we have talked about our Father and uh, the fact that we are not alone, we are in the family of God. And uh, if he is our Father, then that means that we are brothers and sisters, and that means there are no divides, there's nothing to separate us, whether that is social, uh, economic, uh, no matter what it is, Uh, There are no barriers, there are no limits, there are no racial limits that separate and divide the church. We're brotherhood, amen, and we are brothers and sisters. Our Father, hallowed be thy name, the holy name of God. We're thankful for that name that is righteous and above every name, and I'm thankful that I know what that name is. Amen, holy is your name. Hallowed, he said, holy is your name. Thy kingdom come. We talked last Sunday about the value of of being kingdom-minded and letting the Spirit of God anoint us in such a way that we realize that it is the kingdom of God is much more vast than what goes on inside these four walls or just within our fellowship or even within our organization, but all around the world to be kingdom-minded. One of the most tragic things that can ever happen to any church, there are many tragic things that can happen, but one of the most tragic things that can happen It's for us to become so inverted that it's all about us, us for and no more. We've heard that terminology. And when we're only worried about me and mine, then we are in trouble. And so that's why when we leave service this morning, we're not just gonna base what happened upon what we can see with our eyes or what we can put our hands on, but we're setting forth the word of God, sending forth the word of God. By great faith, amen, we're preaching and and scattering the seed of his truth. And so this morning, we're gonna talk about thy will be done as in heaven, so in earth. And as I mentioned, we talked about the kingdom mindedness that the church has. And obviously, if we are seriously committed to the coming kingdom of the Lord, then by default, we must also be seeking God's fulfillment in his will on the earth, even now. And so we can't just live into the, Future, We can't just cast our hopes and dreams so far into the future that we forget God has a right now purpose. Amen, the sisters of Lazarus stood with great faith that had God been there, he could have healed him. They stood with great faith that in the end, in the resurrection, that he would be with them again. But it was that right now faith that they staggered at. And don't we find ourselves there so many, many times. I'm thankful for what God has done in generations past. I'm thankful that all the people that I know that have experienced miracles are not just bound up in this book, but I'm glad that I've had the privilege to shake hands and meet personally heroes of faith that have been mildly touched by God. And I believe now more than ever before, the future of the church is brighter than than at all times, and I'm thankful for that. And I wanna say amen, that's all right. And let me say additionally that not only for the, the church at large but for this church in particular as well that our best days are not behind us. I'm thankful for the days that we have behind us. I'm thankful for our heritage and there's not a person in this building that I don't think could possibly feel more uh, appreciation for the generation that has gone before us but our best days are not behind us. And we're in trouble again when our dreams give way, our vision rather gives way to yesterday. Our vision for tomorrow gives way to yesterday. I'm thankful that yesterday's there. I'm thankful that we have great testimonies of what God has done, but I'm gonna tell you that we have yet to behold some of the greatest, most miraculous moments of this church's history. They're gonna be penned in our day. They're gonna be written in our day. And, uh, and should somebody dust those miracles and should somebody dust those foundations for fingerprints, your handprints are gonna be there. Our handprints are gonna be there collectively in this hour. Aren't you thankful for that? Yes, Amen. Why don't we slip our hands up and love the Lord right now in his name. I love you today. I thank you, Lord, for the power of your promises, Lord. You brought us a long, long way. Your hand has established your word and your work, God, it is sure and it is secure in this hour. The promises that men and women embrace by faith are being fulfilled and are fulfilled. And we are part of that fulfillment here today. And I pray, Lord, that will help us to understand that our future is bright because you hold our future in your hand. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In Jesus' name. So let's talk about what we mean when we're speaking about the will of God. from a, Obviously, from a Christian perspective, there are those that have placed a very strong emphasis on the predetermined or the overriding will of God. And many times, people place so much confidence in that until they almost deny any human responsibility or response to the gospel today. And so, let me just challenge you this morning. We can't just set the cruise control And just say, well, if God wants me to have it, He'll bring it my way. We can't just be so cavalier that we just think it's all going to fall down out of the sky. Amen. We 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 cannot put so much emphasis on that that we fail to realize that that a lot of this is based on my response, my response. Amen. And uh, so I want to respond to the will of God. I want to do what He has for me in my life. Sometimes we place so much emphasis on. God's will until we do not realize that I have and you have a responsibility and multiple responsibilities and I want to discover that. God has given us the ability to choose probably the most incredible yet the most dangerous gift God ever placed in the hand and the heart of man was the ability to choose. An important part of of the will of God is his desire, his desire to save the lost. He came to seek and save that which was lost. God came not to destroy the world, but to reconcile the world to himself. And so the passion and the emphasis of the church at all times should be toward, geared toward, our the trajectory of the church ought to be geared toward the saving of the lost. No matter what we're doing, there ought to be some evangelistic hook to everything that we're doing. Does that make, Does that make sense? Amen, I know there are going to be times and there have been in times past where our men got together and we had a fish fry and it was just a good time And, and uh, but we were in the process of that inviting people to come to church inviting them to come to this particular fellowship and, and give them an opportunity to rub shoulders with, with other men, other Christian men that will, that will challenge their faith to maybe reach another level and so what, in that, it wasn't just about fish. It wasn't just about grits. It wasn't just about hush puppies. It was about trying to invite somebody to take a step closer to the kingdom of God and its cause. And so if God's will and if his desire is for, uh, for the lost to be saved, for people to, that do not and have not received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, if it's his desire for them to have that experience, then we, then that ought to be the passion of the church amen that ought to be the passion of the church and so jesus christ provided a way of forgiveness he provided a way of salvation in the cross and he calls the church to take this message of the church into the community and so we can't just put a sign out in the yard and say well if they need us they know where we are amen i i'm I'm thankful i'm thankful that there is consistency in that we're not guessing about when we're going to gather We know we're going to be here on Sunday and Wednesday, and we know various other times are added to our schedule, but we know that we're going to be here then. And so I pray that the Lord will help us to realize there's great value in that, but we can't end there. That can't be the end all. That can't be the summation of the ministry of the church. As a matter of fact, as you well know, every Sunday and other days, not just Sunday, but Sunday is a great emphasis of outreach. And so every Sunday afternoon, there are teams from our church uh, that go in various places. And so when the lights are turned out here, that that doesn't mean the knob of ministry is selected to off. But men are going to be sitting in county jails and they're going to be reaching and ministering the gospel. They're going to reach those that are incarcerated in prisons. They're going to go to the nursing homes or they're going to go to the assisted living facilities. And we're going to be propagating the gospel of God to those who can't come to us. They have no way of coming to us. So what are we going to do? Say, so, well, that's their fault. They should have made better decisions. Yep. You're right, but they didn't. And now what are we gonna do? Let's go to them. I got an idea. Amen, let's go to them. Let's reach our hand through the bar. Let's touch their lives. Let's, let's, let's go to the hospital room. They can't come to us. Let's walk into the hospital room. Let's take them by the hand and let's don't stand there and recite a prayer. What you think? Amen, let's define the will of God and say it is the will of God that you would not die lost. It is the will of God that you would die, amen, ready to meet him in eternity. And so thy will be done. I'm talking about our series has been on prayer. Our series, we've been talking about what the church ought to be doing. And so it's wonderful that we can have our programs and we certainly need that. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with having an organized effort about something, but it must be seasoned with prayer. It must be seasoned with prayer. You can buy the finest steak that money can buy. But if you just throw it in a pan and flip it a few times, you're probably going to be disappointed. But if you can season it with the right thing, whatever your preference is in that, it can change the complexion of everything. And so we can have the finest of the finest of whatever you want to call it, buildings or plans or programs. But if it is not marinated, seasoned in prayer. I'm, I'm not a chef, but I have cooked enough meals to know this, that you can always add salt later. But it's just never the same. Amen. And for those of you who hadn't had breakfast yet, I apologize. We're a few hours away from lunch, but just bear with me. But if you can, it just seems like if you add it later, you just can never get enough. You just add it, shake, add it, shake, add it, twist, turn. But if you can just, you can add it beforehand. And there's nothing like adding it the day before, there's nothing like marinating in a few, several hours. Are you, are you, are you making this trip with me this morning? I'm talking about the church in prayer. We can, yes, we can always pray after we get here, but it'll never be the same. We can always pray while we're here in the building, but it will not be like, it will not be like what happens if we are on Saturday night or Friday and we're saying, Lord, Sunday's coming, and we just need your anointing and we need your authority. What we need is your will to be done. What we need is your will to be accomplished. I'm going to prepare a message or whoever's preaching is going to prepare a message but if we never get around to that, that's all right. We just need thy will to be done in our presence. We're going to schedule some singers and we're going to practice some songs but if we never get around to that, we're not going to leave this building mad and sucking our thumb because we didn't just show up to sing. We didn't just show up to preach. We showed up with this in our heart, thy will be done. Thy will be done, hallelujah, hallelujah. Let the will of heaven be the will of earth. Let the will of the kingdom be the will of the church in Jesus' name. Oh, I love you, Lord, I love you, Lord. Oh, I love you, Lord. Oh, I love you, Lord, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Lord. Amen, and so we, we, must, we must make sure that when we, we seize it with prayer because prayer brings the anointing and it is the anointing that breaks the yoke. And so he calls on the church to take the message out of the church and into the community. We must reach beyond these walls. And let me just on a footnote here. I, I don't think the only time that the church is called on to ministry is just in formal ministries. But we're all called to minister. And so in your office in the morning, on your job in the morning, in the break room tomorrow, wherever, whatever the the, the dynamics of your job, work day or week may be, that is where God has called upon us. And when somebody needs prayer, they don't need the pastor's business card. And when somebody needs when somebody needs prayer, they don't need you to call the church secretary. What they need somebody is that in that moment to say, can we pray? We can do that right now. Let's join hands. Amen. And hear me today. You don't have to jump up on the table. You don't have <laughs> You don't have to jump up on the table and make some spectacle. I believe you can hold hands and pray if need be a prayer under your breath. And heaven will hear. Why? Because it's his will. It is his will that men's lives be changed. It is his will that that lies are turned. And so we must get the church out of the church. We must get the message out of the church. On one occasion, Jesus was asked in John 6 and 28, Let's read this. Then said they unto him, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, this is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he hath sent. Amen, that is the will of God. In in, in In a rebellious world, this becomes the beginning point in doing the will of God. We must have faith and believe on whom he hath sent. Faith in the Lord is where it all must begin. In Matthew 26, 36 through 46, I'm not going to read all that, but we read of Jesus praying this prayer as well. It's what we refer to as the prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. Many of you are, are familiar with that. Jesus knew that his hour had come, and he was very sorrowful. Soon he was going to be dying on a cross for the sins of the world. But at the heart of this prayer, at the very center of this prayer, was this, thy will be done. Amen. Sometimes, hear me today, sometimes we have viewed this Gethsemane prayer as some kind of resignation to fate, as though that somehow Jesus gave in, gave up, gave over, and just resigned himself. Well, I guess there's nothing else I can do. Well, I suppose if there's just not any other way. Well, I suppose that when all is lost, it'll all be all right. This is not some resignation of faith this was not jesus saying save me from off this awful thing but but you know if that's not possible well i'll just resign myself to it as though he slumped his shoulders and his spirit was downcast and his countenance was downcast and he walked out of the garden with a bent spirit no 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 amen he said but nevertheless not my will but thy will be done Flesh yearned, yearned, flesh yearned to not feel the agony of Calvary. Amen, flesh yearned not to feel the supreme price of Calvary, but something in him was larger than his flesh. Hear me, on some level, we have faced this already in this service. Flesh said, I don't know if I feel like even going to church today. Amen, it's all right. You don't have to stand and run around the church. As a matter of fact, you may be seated. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> You don't have to stand and acknowledge that somewhere, somebody in this house this morning didn't say, I don't know if I got it in me to make it. I got this to do. I got that to do. Or maybe you're battling with some physical health issue and I don't know if I can do that, but somewhere down inside you just push through. You just press through. Amen. You said, I must make it to the house of God. Hallelujah. And you didn't come in with your spirit downcast. You didn't come in with a bad attitude. Well, I'm here, but bless God I'm mad about it amen you didn't come in with that kind of feeling or I hope I hope you didn't come in with that kind of feeling if you're sitting beside somebody you think may have that feeling you may want to change places when we pray one of these times here today amen but oh Lord we come we press through because we said what not my will but thy will be done I know there is a greater cause. Hallelujah. I just didn't want to miss today. I didn't have any idea what was going to happen. I didn't know what was going to be unleashed. I didn't know what was going to be said, sang, or or spoke about. But I, I said, oh, Lord, I just got to be here. I just got to be here. Amen. We know what happened on Calvary was not the record of someone who was the victim of faith. He said in John 10 and 10, the words of Jesus, no man, talking about his life, no man taketh it from me, but I lay it down myself, be it known this day, be it known this day, the Roman guards did not come and take my life. I just want this in the record. I just want this to be recorded at the courthouse. I just want some generation to be able to know this later on. They didn't take my life, but I laid my life down hallelujah (laughs) hallelujah and not only that not only that he said i I have the power to lay it down and, and I have the power to take it up again. This commandment have I received of my Father. This is not some frail flesh that submitted himself to fate. This was not some man that just resigned himself. Well, if this is how it's gonna be, he said, no, 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 write this down, John. Write this down, John. I'll give you a few minutes to get your pen wet. I'll give you a few minutes to get your parchment stretched out. I want a generation to know this. No man took my life. I laid it down. I had the power to do that. But watch this. I also had the power to take it up again. Woo, hallelujah. Mm, yeah, yeah, hallelujah. Oh, I love you, Jesus. Jesus. Later when he was standing before Pilate, and please don't ever perceive Pilate as some limp-wristed, double-minded man who didn't know what to do. He didn't make it to that throne by accident. He didn't get there because he had a silver spoon in his mouth. Amen, he was a decision maker, a power and authority of that day. But Jesus said to Pilate, thou, John 19 and 11, if you have that, he said, Thou couldst not thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given to thee from above. Let's just make one thing clear that you 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 have no power whatsoever unless it had already been given to you from above. Therefore he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. Amen, you have no power than that, than what's already been given to you. You know, we lose sight of this sometimes, and we feel like that we have what we have because we're just so shrewd. But let me tell you something today. God is the one that sets up and God is the one that takes down and no matter where you are today, you can be on the bottom with your feet hanging over the edge, but hear me today, by noon, God could set you up, you may feel like you've got the whole world by the other hand, by the other token, you may feel like you've got the whole world by the tail you may feel like you've got the world by the horns, but hear me, by noon today, God can set you down, He can rise and fall at his whim, and so he said to Pilate, I appreciate your position sir I appreciate who you are and what you represent but hear me you couldn't even be where you are had there not been some divine providence in your life Jesus was speaking he meant oh God about the power of what his arm can do and the reach of his arm I'm thankful that I know him aren't you oh hallelujah when Jesus was praying this prayer, he wasn't thinking about himself. He was thinking about the sinful world that he had come to save. There was, of course, very natural uh, resistance or repulsion at the thought of the cross. No one in their right mind could think otherwise. However, his prayer for this world became a very, very important prayer. This was not a prayer of resignation, as I've said, but it was a prayer of commitment. Jesus had positively committed himself to the purpose of the cross. Furthermore, this is how it must be for you and I. Too often our prayer for God's will has become an excuse for us to opt out of our responsibilities. Hear me now. The Lord desires for us to consciously seek to know His will for our lives. And so we do this through prayer. We do this through Bible study. and We do this through fellowship. And we do this through worship. And we do this through service. Amen. Everybody stay with me now. Amen. We do this through those venues. We have prayer. We have the Word of God. We have fellowship. We have worship. We have service. And so what is God's will for us? And what is God's will for our family, our particular family? And what is God's will for our church? Amen. So in our own personal garden of Gethsemane, we learn to distrust our own ideas of what's best for us and submit to the will of God. Because we all have our own personal Gethsemane those moments when we feel like what is being asked of us is just more than we can give, more than we can do. I want to pause now. I feel the Holy Ghost speaking to somebody's heart here today because God has already spoken to people and, and, and asked of them more than what they think they can give somebody is sitting in this building right now and and you're thinking "I, I don't know if I can do this I don't know if I have the strength I don't know if I have the power to do this but I'm telling you in the name of the Lord amen that he will empower you in that garden of Gethsemane when we say I don't know if I can do this we can't stop praying there we can't put a period in that sentence we have to put a comma and say nevertheless not my will but thy will will be done, hallelujah, hallelujah Jesus earlier stated in John 6 and 38 I have come down from heaven not to do my will but to do the will of him who has sent me I didn't come here to march to the beat of my own drum I didn't come here to sing my own praises but I come to do the will of him that has sent me the fact that we begin in the Lord's prayer with hallowing the name of God And then asking for his kingdom rule in our lives. And then asking for his will to be accomplished shows that this is hardly a self-centered prayer. Hard, Hard to start out by saying, Lord, your name is above every name. And your name is greater than my name. Amen. There's some wonderful names in this building today. There's some wonderful people in this building today. There's some wonderful names that when they are mentioned, they bring fine thoughts, not just to the church. Amen. They bring wonderful thoughts not just to the church community but they bring good pleasant thoughts to the to the community at large. Amen. The Bible talks about having a good report within and without and so there's some wonderful names here. There's some great people here. I mean that with all of my heart. There There's some, there's some people here whose reputation has cast such an enormous shadow. Your character has cast such an enormous shadow but even you sir, even you ma'am when you kneel down and you realize that that name I'm praying to is above my name. It is beyond my name. It supersedes my name by galaxies. Amen, it's hard to be arrogant when you realize that holy is your name. Hallowed is your name. Your name is greater than anything we could ever call. And then we say, Lord, above everything else, I want your kingdom rule to be in my life. It's not about me. Hear me, hear me, hear me it's not about me it's not even about has been apostolic church it's not just about us four and no more but we're praying for the divine will of the kingdom to blow let the kingdom winds blow amid our congregation oh hallelujah let the kingdom winds blow amid our congregation and then we submit ourselves and say Lord let your will be done it's hard to walk out of there feeling arrogant if you have sincerely prayed this prayer You know, we, well, let me just say that the worst thing that God could ever do to us at times in our life is to give us exactly what we want. <laughs> You'd be hard-pressed to find a 12-year-old boy, 13-year-old boy that wouldn't want the keys to a new car. And you may really think you're gonna become a five-star five gold star parent by handing them the keys to a brand new car at 12 or 13 years old, that may not be in their best interest. Even if it's not in their best interest, it certainly may not be in the best interest of your fellow man. And so sometimes the Lord, in his mercy, does not give us what we ask for. Thankfully, God's answers are wiser than our prayers and so prayer is not a tool for getting prayer is not a tool for receiving (laughs) but prayer is a means of becoming what God intended for us and it's fine to let God know our needs but then we have to trust Him how to respond this is what we need so the words be done could be translated in other words let it be your will just let it be let that unfold let that be the force of my life so when we pray do we understand that God has a will for our lives in particular when we seek God's will daily he'll always give us just enough light to take the next step and that's really irritating sometimes I just said what you're thinking (laughs) that is very frustrating sometimes when God says, okay, I'll answer your prayer. Here's just enough light for the next step. Wow. Because what we wanted was our whole world to just light up. and Or so we thought. But David said, much knowledge brings much sorrow. And so you may not want to peer too far into your future. And I don't mean that that's just because something tragic is going to happen, but if we knew where God was really taking us, we would probably be pretty afraid. <laughs> it's, get your mind out of the funeral home. Get your mind out of the hospital. I'm not talking about those things necessarily. But if we knew what God was going to extract of us, we may stand and say, I don't know if I could do that. And we would give, like many others before us, a long list of our of the things that disqualify us. Moses said, I'm not a man of plain speech. All right, come on here. But he didn't always just provide somebody to fill in the gap because when Jeremiah started bemoaning, I'm just but a child, he asked an angel, get one of those coals off the altar, touch his lips. And then he said, now don't ever say that again. Don't ever say I'm just a child. And so what, Jeremiah, you know, says... Umbly, I know we always preach this from a positive point of view, and you know put a little evangelistic spin and twirl on that makes all feel good. But if you just think about how this played out, Jeremiah says, "You know, I'm just a child." And all of a sudden an angel from heaven is standing nose to nose with his finger saying, "Don't say that again." It may not have been such a feel-good moment. It may have been a pretty frightening moment. To say, would you just quit resting on all that? Would you quit making excuses? Amen. (laughs) Amen. Well, I think I just challenged somebody right there. Sometimes we view God as a genie. We've seen in our opening video, some God's just a vending machine. Well, I'll have some. Oh, I don't want that. I'll take some of that. And then we see the price of what that's going to cost. With Oh, I'm not even sure. And I, I know some people relate to what I'm about to say, and I know I may lose some in the process. But hear me: when you see people that are mightily, mightily used of God, you have no idea what kind of price it takes to walk at that level. Amen. Amen. Am I right, Sister Baggett? Amen. You see, Brother Trail, there, there, there are some people you see. You see them and you see what God is doing in their life and we just kind of see the flash. We we, we see the end result. We see the wonder and the beauty of it all and we think, oh, I would love to be used by God in that manner. You you may want to think that through because you may not have any idea what kind of price they've paid to be able to operate at that level. Amen. Amen. So uh, we must be very, very careful. God doesn't always give us what we want he gives us what we need. Our problem is, is we can't figure out certain, certain, how certain things are going to be for our benefit. We pray, Lord, let your will be done and order my steps in your word. And all these prayers that we pray, and then all of a sudden we, we see ourselves on this slippery slope of uncertainty. We get sick. We get laid off. We begin to think that somehow heaven is brass and God is silent. And how could this possibly be his will? We have to remind ourselves that his ways and his thoughts are above ours. They're not like us. He doesn't think like we think. And so praying thy will be done means that we don't expect God to change his plans just to accommodate our wishes, just work it out, God. Amen. The reason some people avoid uh, consideration of God's will is is misguided thinking. They think that, that somehow that God's will is going to be difficult. But hear me, I believe that God's will, God, in, in the doing the will of God, I'm not saying there's not some measure of difficulty, but in doing the will of God, God gives you a desire. <laughs> I, I know I use this illustration a lot, and, uh, but nevertheless, to, to make a point, when we have missionaries come by and visit with us, our goal here is not to get you to feel sorry enough for them to support them. <laughs> that's not what it's don't feel sorry for them they feel sorry for us really because we may have a lot more things we may have a lot more toys in some cases but in most cases or a lot of cases they have a much greater revival in their country than we have yes yes Yes, I've often thought about how difficult it must be for some missionaries to keep their heads screwed on straight pardon me for meandering here for just a moment but when they look around and they see all that we have and then they see how we respond to the presence of the Lord we'll worship if we want to, we'll come to church if we want to, we'll do it if we feel like it, we'll do it if it somehow fits into our plan, if there's not some little tiny cobblestone that prevents us from being at church or even worshiping when we get here and then they look around and they realize that some of them in the countries where they are working people walk to church, amen they walk sometimes for days to go to conferences and when they get there, nobody has to start them in worship. Somebody has to stop them in worship. Amen, are you hearing me today? And so we pray that God's will would be done, but when God's will is done in our life, he will generate a hunger and a thirst and a desire in our lives to do whatever it is that he has called us to do. Hallelujah. God will give us a desire to live according to his will. And so here's what David said about that. He said, I delight to do your will. (laughs) Oh God, I delight to do your will. The Lord does not wish to make us unhappy. He has what's best in mind. And so uh, he's he's gonna give us what we need. And so with that desire... God's not going to call somebody to be a missionary and then and then them have to work through some bad spirit about being a missionary. That's not going to happen. God's not going to call somebody to be a home missionary and then and then somewhere uh, you, you know just have to they're they're going to have to battle all of this in their mind. But God's going to start stirring and planting that seed early on in their lives. Early on in their lives. I don't understand how that works. You've heard me say this many times through the years, but I knew uh, when I felt the call of the ministry my whole life. But in the process of that, I knew that at some point in my life, my wife and I, or I would have I no I was going to have a wife at that time. <coughs> was hoping to have a wife at that time, just didn't know who she was going to be but I felt like that I would evangelize and I just knew that somehow in my heart. It was always there. God had put a desire in my heart as a child to do that. As a young man, God had put a desire in my heart and I'm thankful that when we were married that I didn't have to just sit down and convince her of that and talk her into that and pretty pleased but when we became one, God put that desire in her life as well but when it came time to stop traveling, when it came time to sell the RV, when it come time to pastor you know what before we ever got here not about this church amen but before we ever got here am I right God started changing that prism in our lives and we started feeling this desire to be a shepherd a desire to pastor and so we didn't come here kicking and screaming we didn't come here mad because God took us off of the road and brought us here no he will with his will put a desire in our heart to do that I hope I'm making sense to you I hope this is making sense to you Hallelujah. So when we pray for God's will to be done in our lives, God is not going to give us a, set of, a pair of shoes that's two sizes too small. And then just say, Well, just adjust the best way you can. And we just live our lives trying to walk around these shoes that are just pinching our feet and, and gnawing at our toes. No, God is gonna make that shoehorn in to right in our heart. A desire, a passion. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. Oh, I love you, Lord. I'm excited when I meet men and women who said, You know what? I was at General Conference. I was this happened not long ago. I was at General Conference, and somebody started talking about the city. Of Metro Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and Brother and Sister Matters were sitting in that congregation and the Lord began to put something in their heart. Amen, God began to put a drive and a desire in their heart. I forget which ones from which. I believe he is, was born and raised in Missouri and she was born and raised in West Virginia. <laughs> and God said, I would like to make Metro missionaries out of you from Missouri and you from West Virginia and God put it in their heart and I just saw them at district conference and they said we can't wait to get on site we just can't hardly wait to get there and so they weren't two small city young people that were saying oh God you're going to send us into the metro area of Philadelphia where there's drugs and crime where there's this and that they said we can't hardly wait we're just going to be 14 blocks from downtown we can't hardly wait we can't hardly wait to get on site we can't hardly wait to get there why because when we pray God would you have your way in my life? He will put desire, he will put passion he will he will, he will. oh my lord, I've got to move. Amen you're going to have to stay with me I, I got to leave some of this out. Put too many biscuits in the oven this morning. Sorry. <laughs> And for your sake, and just because you're so sweet, I'm not gonna sit here and try to cram them down one at a time, try to cut out some of this. Amen, so we need to pray and ask God to help us. In some ways, it's nice to learn of God's will. It would be nice if we could learn of God's will through some technique or through some system, if you just kinda, you know, say this, take this pill, and all of a sudden, God reveals his will to you, but of course, that's not how that works. We discover God's will from studying scriptures. We discover God's will by our prayer, communication with him, and and then that prayer, not just being recited prayer, but intimate prayer. Faith is not always an easy walk, and sometimes we faint, we face that. Faith means accepting sometimes the silence of God. Hallelujah. The goal of prayer is not so much tangible answers, but it's that deepening life of dependency upon God. You are the air I breathe. You are the next step that I take. (laughs) Oh, Lord, you are the hope in my life. You are, you are. If I'm, if I'm going to make it, it's because of you. If I'm going to survive, it's because of you. And you know what? If you've got too much pride, it's gonna be hard to say that. If you've got too much pride, it's gonna be hard to live that. But I am what I am because of you. God does not promise that we will all like what he brings in our lives. But obedience is much better than happiness. If I'll just be obedient, then God can bring all of that to fruition in my life. Yet in God's will, we find joy. We find joy if we choose to. We can be content no matter what happens. Persistency in prayer keeps us from that spirit of self-reliance. We have the right to question God, of course, as long as we're willing to accept the outcome. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And so God help us to accept his will. It's wiser to pray, Lord, I'm just gonna pray for the best possible outcome because we don't know what's best. I know what I think is best. I've always been challenged by this, and I don't want to muddy up your faith here, but I've always been challenged by this scripture. When Hezekiah prayed and asked God to extend his days. Seemed like a wonderful thing, but it proved to be detrimental. It really did. And so, before we we can rejoice in the fact that God gave him what he wanted, we must also consider where that prayer took him. I want what you know is best. It made no sense, and again, I think this was mentioned at district conference about not this particular passage of scripture, but this thought, it makes no sense if you're playing this out one page at a time it made no sense to see Stephen tied, shackled, and stoned. That, that, made, that made no sense. Stephen, a man full of the Holy Ghost, at the apex of his ministry. What, what's going on here? And again, we, we lose the impact of some of these stories because we already know the outcome. But if you just play this out page by page, moment by moment, hour by hour, here's one of their leading ministries and ministers tied to a stake. Being stoned, I mean, isn't it plausible that somebody in the crowd was going, hey, (laughs) we need deliverance, and heaven was silent because God said, I have a much better and larger plan Because in the stoning of Stephen, conviction pricked the heart of Saul of Tarsus. A man in the crowd. It made no sense. It made no sense at the moment. But help us to know your will, oh God. Amen, let's stand. How I love you, Lord. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Scripture says, God is not willing that any should perish. Yet many people do reject him and they reject his gift of eternal life. Why? Because God gave us choice. We can decide. I've watched people stand in this very building and the presence of God was palatable. And I've watched them stand with dry eyes, not move a muscle. And when was all said and done, they just get up and walk out as though nothing happened. While I appreciate compliments, I'm not wanting to sound crass in this, but hear me. I've had people that sat unflinch, unflinchingly through the presence and the power of God and his demonstration. And then shake a hand on the outside Some man, sure enjoyed the music, sure enjoyed the singing, sure enjoyed the sermon. It was almost as though they had bought tickets and come to some moment of entertainment when the Spirit of God was pulling, drawing, 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 And so there's an old song that says, draw me nearer, 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 precious Lord. Draw me closer, pull me into your divine will. Draw me nearer, pull me nearer. And so whatever you get out of any given service, my prayer is this, in the course of all this, let me be pulled closer to your divine will. Amen, I wanna feel the flame and the fire of his will, of his will. You know, I know in our modern conveniences and uh, air conditioning, heat and all, all those things, not a lot of people spend a lot of time around a fireplace or a fire but there's just something about getting close to that fire and warming your hands warming your hands you can get up there and enjoy it and receive the benefit of it or you can just stand back just a few feet and look and it will mean nothing to you you could freeze to death in sight of the fire or you can say I want to be drawn closer to that and I'm going to tell you that there's going to be people in hell that didn't get there from a bar stool That's Right. right. Amen. they didn't get there from a drug addicted life in an alley, dark alley somewhere but they sat on a church pew and they just said no long enough until he passed by. But I say, Lord, draw me to your will. Draw me closer. Draw me closer to your will. We ought to slip our hands.
0: This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic